Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, I'm going to start with my all-time favourite quote from the American philosopher and historian William James, who said a long time ago, a new idea is first condemned as ridiculous and then dismissed as trivial until finally it becomes what everybody knows. Now, there are plenty of ideas that are just plain stupid, as we know, but my hunch is the one we're about to talk and unpack is here for the long haul and will be what everyone will know and do in some shape or form. It covers ESG and more. Today we have three agencies that are B Corp certified and are at the front end of this trend with clients ranging from Guzman & Gomez to Australian Ethical Investments, which has $6.5 billion in funds under management. We'll also get to the bottom of a very interesting development and company called Net Zero Media, which is calculating the carbon footprints of media and ad campaigns. With us today to talk through what everyone is thinking about in relation to ESG, brand purpose and the rest is Phil Benedictus, founder of Benedictus Media, Joel Trethowan at full service agency Alchemy One and James Richardson, uh, who is at SEO and e-commerce group Optimizing. Now, welcome to you all. This is a really fascinating area and we've had a lot of conversation in the industry about what we're about to talk about. Uh, but before we get into the meat of, of this whole big conversation, um, gents, is for those of us, including me, who may not be too uh, across what a B Corp certified company is, uh, I'm going to ask each of you, what is a B Corp certified company? And we may start, um, can we start with Joel first? In terms of Alchemy One, what does it mean? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So the term B Corp actually refers to businesses who meet the highest social and environmental standards. Um, but what that means for Alchemy One has really been about creating something bigger than ourselves. As a media agency, I think our industry can be seen as very transactional but having a purpose above and beyond um, kind of why we started the business and really leaning into our moral and values um, as a business has been something that's always attracted us to B Corp certification. And it is, it's just about the impact we can have over and above uh, what we do on a day-to-day basis through our clients, but also through our supply chain and through, you know, educating the broader business space about what B Corp is. Um, Because we always say at Alchemy One, the more, B Corps there are. We're willing for everyone to join this party and there's so much opportunity to really, you know, it sounds cliche, but create a better world and create a better planet for everyone. Um, But noting as well, I need to shout out up front that we are here today with B Corp Royalty, which is Phil Benedictus, who actually became a B Corp about eight years ago. Um, I'm making up eight years, but it was a long time ago. So we've recently joined the B Corp um, wagon and B Corp certified as of October. But massive shout out to Phil for being really the first agency um, to be B Corp certified in Australia. So it's, um, yeah, kudos to Phil. We'll all get his virtual autograph up soon, Joel. I think what we should do there. I need it. <laughs> yes. yes it's, now, James, I'll get to Phil, uh, the, the king by the sounds of the royalty uh, in a second. But, um, James, uh, in terms of uh, what you're doing at Optimizing, for, for our listeners, for you, what is a B Corp and why uh, did you do it? We'll get to your journey uh, a bit later in the conversation to each of you, but um, just the, the top line there, James, and welcome. Sure. And like Joel said, Thanks for having me, Paul. Really appreciate being here today. Um, so I think for us, like it was 
I guess like in a similar vein to what Joel said, I think it's like about, you know, we want to make sure that we're promoting and being a good company. I think that's really important for us. Um, We wanted it to, I guess, like B Corp kind of fit with what we were doing because it, uh, we wanted to make sure that we're always striving to be better as a company. And I think B Corp held us accountable to being better um, with the clients we work with, with the work that we're doing with our team. I think that's really important as well. So without like our internal team, I think like B Corp was a really important thing for us to be looking at because it reflected well on the business as a whole and the team respects that. And and, and I mean, going forward, that's going to really help us to, I guess, decide on which kind of clients we work with um, and how we work with them going forward. And I'm going to get to all of you uh, about, you know, uh, how you got there and some of the clients you're working with. But King Phil Benedictus, welcome. There is a fascinating anecdote I have to mention up front before I before we get to hear from you. And that is, at one time, you, you sort of reinvented yourself from being a rave DJ, DJ to a sort of a, me, a media agency. So um, I'd love to dig into that. We probably don't have time, but I need, I need the listener to know that you were once very cool. <laughs> playing music for people play I mean this is kind of my background story is I, I I I studied in the UK I'm half English half Australian when it got to sort of my final year of university I remember big corporations coming around and me always thinking Christ it sounds like I'm going to have to sell my soul to work for any of these guys and um uh, and my reaction was to <laughs> to leave Oxford with a modern languages degree and become a rave DJ. It's not the way you please your mother. <laughs> no, and yeah, and so I, I I was in music for 10, 11 years before when I moved to Australia, I, I fell into advertising via a, a, quite a circuitous route and, uh, you know, and was delighted that I could do a sensible job rather than a, being a rave DJ. Right. Getting into real business brought me back to that student mindset of, whoa, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with everything I'm doing. Like maybe everyone I'm selling ads to would maybe some how some of those ads are sold. And and for me that was woke up a like a, a thought that there is a, a need for purpose. There is a need for transparency, you know. And a lot of the stuff the other guys have just been been mentioning in business. And and B Corp gives a, a wonderful framework for that for you to be able to to measure how you are going against. Um, high standards to measure, make sure you are meeting those standards, that you're surpassing those standards and always aiming to go uh, go better. I think also it's really important in giving you a sort of stamp of, it, like it's a stamp of ethical authority. It means these people walk the talk, yeah? There's loads of people in our business who are full of high ideals and, um, well, loads of people all over the world, really. But this is a stamp to say, I do what I say um, and I'm trying to do it better all the time. And it is a certification process. We'll get to some of that in, in shortly. But I should also mention, Phil, you're also we'll get to also this this initiative called Net Zero Media, which is a fascinating one. We'll talk about that shortly as well. But I, I want to get back to uh, quickly the, the sentiment that that all of you feel. There's obviously a lot more uh, discourse and conversation in, in in the in the market around ESG, brand purpose, doing the right thing. Lots of you know what you could call greenwashing or hanging out shingles that may not be that authentic. B Corp. Uh, and ESG is on the on the radar for a lot for, for everyone really, and I guess just quickly from all of you, do you sense that uh, there is more interest, curiosity, and is it working in terms of with clients and coming to you to want to understand 
a bit more about this. So, what's the what? Just give me your 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 sense check on the on the sentiment in the market around ESG and B Corps. Um, Joel, we'll start with you again. Yeah, good question. I think there's definitely been a rise in that, Paul, and you're seeing that really change over like three to six months in terms of a significant interest in that. You know, B Corp helps a lot with this as well. As Phil kind of mentioned, there's lots of talk with this. If we speak not just broader business, but kind of agency environment as well, it's so easy for everyone to throw around the word purpose and purpose is used left, right and center. Mm. Um, But, you know, when we're even speaking about new business or pitching out and we explain what B Corp is, it really helps prove that we're not just, you know, talking the talk, we are walking the walk and there aren't skeletons in our closet and we are backing up those statements um, with validity. And so I think that's really important for us. Um, I think when we speak about broader business as well, there is a fear for lots of uh, businesses that you know aren't B Corp certified. They're trying to do an ESG strategy, but they know it needs to come with authenticity as well because they're very scared of greenwashing. Um, and greenwashing you know, is a plague we see now in the cancel culture and everything going on social. You can get shut down within an instant if something doesn't feel right. So you know, we love helping clients even navigate through that if they really do have purpose at heart of what they do and helping them do it in the right way. Um, but I think it's so interesting to see how that space continues to develop with, you know, gusto over especially this next year and moving forward. Um, 60%, I think you've said, um, Joel, is your clients are related in, in this sort of this sort of area, it's sort of purpose-led activity. Is that right? Yeah. So one of our kind of KPIs at Alchemy One, and this was part of the B Corp process, was just tracking how much revenue um, in terms of fees for Alchemy One is derived from purpose-aligned clients. So in FY21, that was 65%. And they could be B Corps or they could be you know clients with purpose at heart. Um, but that's something we track every quarter and have annual targets for that to try and improve every year as well. And a quick lineup of your clients, Joel? Uh, so major clients include Bank Australia, Square, West Fund Health Insurance, Plan Partners and Independent Living Assessment. Great. James, um, to your your uh, view on this sentiment in the market and interest around ESG and, and B Corps. Now, just to be clear, you're a, you know, you're a, an SEO company. You specialise in that mostly in e-com, I think we talked about earlier. Um, but what's your sense on, on, on what's, what's going on in the market on, on the client side? Yeah, so I can definitely speak to the sentiment in the market around B Corp, especially like Joel, we're sort of fairly recently um, B Corp certified, so end of last year. Um, so still fairly new for us. So when we sort of did our announcements and we're sort of starting to talk more about it to our clients, to our partners, to our colleagues, that's like brought along some really good conversations with other businesses. Similar to what Joel said, like we're, we're definitely like, we're really keen to sort of educate people more about, you know, the B Corp process, being better businesses, trying to be more ethical in everything that we do. Um, and so, yeah, I've had like half a dozen really good conversations with businesses that are sort of asking about the process, asking about like why we got certified, um, what, it, what it does for us, what it means for us as a business now and going forward. Um, so I think like those conversations, like, it, like even like in a really small aspect of like, like, you know, something that we can help with um, and the sentiment in the market. I think that's like a really positive sign. And your clients range from what to what, uh, James? Yeah. So as you said before, like we're pretty, like pretty focused on the e-commerce space. Um, so working with brands like the good guys, Nando's, um, do a lot of work in the Shopify space. So LSKD, Bali Body, um, some really big e-commerce brands. So they're probably like our major ones. And d- did your B Corp certification trigger any any sort of uh, questions and interest from those sorts of companies? Is it on? Is it front and center for you when you when you talk with clients and win new business? 
Yeah, more and more. I think like now that we, I mean, now that people can see and we're, we're like public that we are B Corp certified, I think like those conversations are starting to come up a lot more. Um, and even like, you know, we're being contacted by, you know, sort of potential uh, like uh, partners, clients um, that are also B Corp certified that kind of like, you know, the idea of working with fellow B Corp organizations. I think that's positive too. Phil, your sense on where it's at now in terms of the market and interest, you, you get the same sense? Yeah, I think you're seeing a bit of a almost umbrella curve. It's, um, you know, we, when we first uh, were a B Corp six years ago, it was a fairly limited number of people who knew about it or were interested. And I think even within, you know, areas like uh, charities where there was a better, greater knowledge of B Corps and social enterprise, it was a nice to have, not a conversation starter. I would say that that has changed and it is now people will come and talk to you because you're a B Corp, because you have those values um, and they're keen to work with a company that has that. And then to obviously they want to know that you're still a decent, you know, media buyer or SEO expert or creative. You know, you got to do the job as well as do it ethically. But I, I'm noticing a lot more um, unprompted awareness or interest, I guess, to use a sort of advertising phrase. Or you might be in the business by the sounds of it. The client list that you you have, Phil, ranges from I think I mentioned a couple of them. But what are you doing? Big social enterprises like Australian Ethical, uh, who gives a crap. So, and they're both both B Corps. Um, we work quite a lot in the health sector with people like the Royal College of GPs, Benevolent Society, um, and a couple of other um, uh, NDIS providers. Um, a lot of purpose-led um, charities or not-for-profits, which range from Mid Saint Sans Frontier, Bernardo's, Get Up, who we've worked with for fifteen years now to uh, the Australia Institute, Climate 200, uh, Equality Australia. Um, so quite a lot of those sort of campaign awareness-based orgs and a sprinkling of other bits and bobs. Let's just touch a little bit on this initiative called Net Zero Media. What the hell is that about, Phil? Because what we are seeing, right, is that um, a lot of the uh, big media agency or the big buying groups are sort of jumping on this now and starting to roll some of these um, these ESG conversations into their contract negotiations with media owners, which is quite interesting, at a, at a large scale, at the scale end of town. Um, Net Zero Media is about trying to do what? My frustration, I guess, as a, as a media buyer, an ethical media buyer, is however much I might have ethical clients and uh, help them to navigate the sometimes murky waters of the media world, um, in the end of the day, you still end up giving money to people who may not agree with your views or be actually, you know, actively, you know, disputing or rubbishing them. It has always worried me that when you look at companies um, who are working out their carbon footprint, you know, we look at our electricity bills, but if you're a major corporation, your electricity bill... I mean, it depends a bit on what you're making, but in many cases, your your power bill's nothing compared to what you're spending on media and on the power that that media consumes. Right. I was very lucky we won an award from Comms Declare a couple of years ago, and off the back of that, I met a guy who had been working out exactly what the carbon footprint or carbon equivalent footprint of media plans was, and it's quite shocking. You can spend not that much in media terms on a Facebook campaign, five or 10K, and in a million impressions, you might have actually added a ton of carbon to um, the environment. Right. That is a lot. And it, there's, it, 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 it sort of, it's, it's what's called a scope three emission. It's not directly your right. business. It's kind of a, 
from something your business does that in its that in turn creates um, emissions. And so it's an area that I think interest is now now growing in now that corporates are beginning to take the whole ESG thing really seriously, trying to work out their full carbon footprint. And suddenly, you know, if you're a com bank, you might have worked out the footprint of all of your offices, but then you've got you know, $100 million of, of media buying. What's that doing? And it's a complex one because it's not just that media, different media have different footprints. It's also that a country like Australia, you, you, you look at different states who have different sources of power. So, you know, an ad run in Victoria necessarily has a worse carbon footprint if it uses electricity than an ad run in Tasmania where it's all hydropower. So it's really a really complicated area, and we felt that um, you know for people to have a chance of improving on these footprints, first you've got to understand it right. And the method- methodology that was out there in the market was very much a kind of well, for every dollar you spend on media, let's call it X tons or kilos of carbon. And that not only actually it turned out that it had a lot of people spending too much on offsetting and trying to in getting a false impression of their footprint. But it, because that impression is false, you can't then uh, improve on it because you, you don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand the difference between the carbon footprint of search and of a TVC in Sydney versus Brisbane versus, you know, whatever it might be. So that's our mission is to try and bring a bit of science to that so people can understand what their advertising is doing in terms of um, a carbon footprint and how to how to make it better. Um, you know, we all obsess about things like air travel, but I think internet use is sometimes something like three times the energy use of air travel globally, and that's just one medium. So you'll break that down by by channel then, is that what happens? And where are you at with, with, with it now? Where is net zero meter in the calculator that you're developing? Is it is it live and active and you can see TV versus... We have a live calculator. Um, Chris Sewell, our carbon expert, has he's actually been doing this independently for, for years, but you know we came to him saying, come on, let's try and scale this up. Um, we are shortly, I'm hoping to publish a case study with Australian Ethical of what we've been doing with them. Um, offsetting uh, their campaigns, but also offsetting future campaigns such that uh, clients who who uh, want to show that they are taking the environment seriously can then, you know, have a logo, a stamp of certification, I guess, that they are running net zero media, that, that they are not running a carbon footprint. Currently, we've got um, three, four clients on the go. We're, um, we're, we're just sort of finishing our beta testing and, um, and trying to scale up. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, so I'll put this to all of you though. In terms of, let's just use the the uh, the carbon calculator as a baseline for this conversation. But if you know what your your carbon footprint is in a particular channel, or one channel is higher than the other, what are the implications? Because this is about supply chain. You talked about it, you know, downstream and and, and how you manage supply chains uh, further down in a media supply chain. Do you then start having to consider different channel choice because of carbon footprint, or do you try and get the supplies in that chain to? Adjust? What happens here? And I might, Joel, what's your what's your take on this? It's a big question. I think for our view on this, I've had a number of discussions with Phil actually on Net Zero Media and just how we can incorporate it into our planning process as well. I think our view on that is really having open and honest conversations with your client partners as well, and just giving them as much education about the impact and what that looks like from a media planning perspective too. I think that's one side. 
Then the other side is actually working with the media partners and vendors to understand what their practices are also. Um, I think it's this hybrid because this education, this awareness and this transparency piece is just so important. Like what uh, Phil has done with the work with Net Zero Media actually makes that process very simple and easy in terms of, and sorry, Phil, if I'm butchering this process, but the ability to even set, <laughs> send a media plan of this is what we're thinking of doing and then have calculations off the back of that. Um, and to be able to determine what the impact is of, is of each channel. So then you could have those open and honest discussions with your client partners as well to see, you know, if we did this, this could happen. If we did that, that could happen and model that out in different ways. So it, it's definitely going into a new age of that. But it is all about this transparency um, and collaboration of just what they're trying to do, what their overall business goals are and their objectives. But what that looks like in practice from an ESG perspective, I think, is super interesting and something I think feels yeah definitely pioneering and something we really want to incorporate into our planning and strategy process as well um, and giving clients options on that. So if nothing else, it gets the conversation on the table and understanding, getting some clarity and visibility around what what it could be if there's no change in behavior yet uh, in terms of, you know, channel execution and so forth. I guess that's what you're, you're, you're saying, um, uh, Joel. Uh, so, Phil, to your sense on this then, basically to what Joel talks about in terms of the implications or, or what could happen to channel mix and do you change it or is this an awareness-raising uh, sort of uh, thing, uh, idea? It's a hybrid process. On one side, sure, you can say how much, um, you know, if I were to – you know, if you set yourself an awareness goal, you might say, look at something like out of home, where you might have a relatively low carbon footprint for a lot of formats. Relatively, it depends a bit on what you do. And formats like transit, which traditionally actually green clients tend to worry about because oh, there's exhaust fumes coming out. Um, actually, Deco has actually made all of their transit um, uh, carbon neutral as of this year. And given that the bus is running it anyway, the actual additional carbon footprint of your ad is next to nothing. But uh, sorry, I've, I've, I've just red herring to myself. Um, just more broadly on, on the, you know, the channel mix and implications there. The, the truth is there are bits of the channel mix where you may have, you may find that there is a conversation where you do have a choice, say, between outdoor and broadcast or the amounts of outdoor and broadcast where you might change the weights. However... <laughs> the truth is, like, you know, and, and this is, as a B Corp, you have to think that one of our first duties is to our client. So, yes, we want to understand the footprint, but in the end of the day, for instance, the bottom of the funnel, let's let's start from the bottom, which we all three of our agencies deal with, so search. You know, in the end of the day, search is an electronic format. It ain't going to go less electronic. So a format like that, and you'd be, you'd be ill-advised to... Um, you know, to tell a client to avoid it for a performance campaign. So some, uh, maybe that media, your your job is to talk to Google, who who actually are doing a, a fair bit, certainly in the US, about using renewables and so on, and to you know, and to to try and to try and um, to uh, impress on them. Obviously, this is the kind of thing the bigger agency groups could do more effectively, perhaps, than a small independent. But impress on them how seriously they are taking it. Um, at the other end of the scale, like I say, you might have um, campaigns where you do get a choice of, well, like, like for roughly the same money, maybe I can choose between these two formats, these two channels, and make a, make a more ethical choice. Um, there are also just ways you can make 
the choice of like you know a digital ad a shorter digital ad guess what uses less carbon you know you can there's some really basic things you can do in the way you plan your media to make it more more carbon friendly and the other side obviously we're looking at and we've got we've just engaged a researcher who's going through what all big media companies are saying they're doing about ESG what they're actually doing so that because ultimately, let's say it's got to be TV. Well, maybe a client might make the choice between 7, 9 and 10, not just on audiences, but on how green that program was. Now, some of your critics there, Phil, would say you're just a mad lefty saying uh, all those things. Um, is it, do you think it's, it's, it's like how real is it going to be where at some point there will be a decision between three competitors in the same sector going, OK, they've got a better ESG policy and carbon footprint and that will that will influence that will influence purchasing or buying decisions. Will we, will, do you think we will really get there? I mean, as you said, the, I've heard um, rumours that the major holding groups are talking about this to um, to suppliers. Um, um, and when they start talking, given the, the sums of money they're spending, I think people really do start listening. So uh, and, uh, no, long story short, I do have these conversations. I have, you know, some of our cause-related clients, for instance, who won't uh, go with certain Murdoch-owned media because of their stance editorially on certain issues. I do think that, you know, if you have a, a TV market where you can get a similar value buy, say, single station buy across seven and nine, and you were looking for something to decide decide the decision for someone like an Australian Ethical, for instance, who is a B Corp, who definitely takes this seriously, hell yeah, they're going to they're gonna mm-hmm. go with that. It's, if you know you're going to get the same result, but one of them smells better. Joel, your sense on that in terms of how serious clients will walk the talk on this? Yeah, I completely agree with Phil. We have similar clients as well who do choose certain own media networks, mainly from a values or editorial perspective too. But I think the more that this is out in the ether in terms of there's more um, ability to do this uh, in an easy way like this calculator as an example to understand what the impact is across, say, 7, 9 and 10, and this is exposed more than those decisions, I think, will progressively happen more when people are there and are needing to, to ultimately, you know, potentially choose a network and everything else could, in an ideal world, be even. That is a competitive advantage and definitely seen as favourable for a number of our clients and I'm sure a number of other clients um, as well. And I think, it, you know, it might be starting small, but it will be a ground-up approach. So the more pressure that comes in those decision-making processes, the more change I think there'll definitely be in that area too. So look, I, I'm, there's, a, there's a great big uh, interesting conversation to be had here if we explore it, but one of the things I wanted to do in, in this in this conversation is to help uh, broader industry understand the process of what it is to be a B Corp. And so as much as I'd love to go into some of the big implications of where it's going at a macro level, I also want to say, okay, what are what is the journey? What is the experience of each of you in becoming a B Corp? So just um, in our final minutes uh, with this as a, as a teaser for what will become a, an ongoing conversation, I think at MI3 around this, is just to, just to talk through, each of you to talk through um, your experience with the process and 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 what happened and what it did to your company and James, I might start with you first because you're you're pretty you know it's recent right but the the process for you to become a B Corp what it mean what did it mean you had to do change and how long did it take? Sure, so I'll start with the last question first. So the uh, process took over two years for us. Um, I think obviously we were it was in the midst of COVID, so I think there were like some potential delays there. But for us, it was a really eye-opening process. I think it made us 
going through the whole process, uh, they've, it's a very thorough process, um, makes you have a really hard look at how your, you know, how your business is set up, what policies you have in place, what kind of clients you work with. Um, so I think for us, it was, yeah, it was definitely like um, transformative for the business. Um, it was a lot of work. We had to do a lot of work. We had to, um, you know, have a lot of internal sort of team briefings to sort of work out, you know, how are we going to enjoy, like, how do we address this? How do we address it now? And how do we address it going forward? Um, so I think for us, it was a really, it was a really great process for us internally. Um, I think it, the policy side was really good. That's probably like an under, you know, un- underappreciated side of things. Like for us as a as a company that sort of, you know, we've grown over the last 10 years and sometimes you don't have all that, you don't think about all those things that you really should. Um, so I think that was really good for us, like around, you know, sort of around our supporting our employees. So I think like that's like a nice extra side to B Corp um, that I think is beneficial to a lot of businesses. So it was good for the culture for you, James? The culture now, like immediately, but also going forward, um, it will definitely change like, you know, how we support our employees internally, how we build our teams, um, and then how we continually support those teams. So I think that that's a, a good aspect of B Corp as well. What was the biggest significant change you had to make or, or you know, mind-bending um, things inside the company that had to shift? Probably like not an immediate thing, but it's like it's it's given us like a process to evaluate who we work with. So um, we do, you know, we sort of go through a list of checks and we talk about it internally, like the types of clients and the projects that we're going to work on. Um, and if we sort of feel that they don't, you know, fit with the team and make the team feel comfortable about the work that we're going to be doing, that they're going to be delivering, um, or it doesn't fit with, you know, being a B Corp and being like, you know, the business that we're trying to be, um, we'll sort of look to sort of not work on that campaign. So that's probably been the big change for us like over the years like it's easy to take on whatever comes across your desk if it seems like a good opportunity um, but now we're sort of sitting back and evaluating those and, and see whether they're the, the right opportunity for us so is there, there's some sectors that have got red flags around them then in a b corp process yeah you care it's more about the business rather than the sector i would say like you know there are some sectors that you would avoid um, but it's more about like how the business is run and how they how they perform in that sector so there are um yeah there's ways that you look at it Joel, in terms of the process for you, did it take how long did it take, and what what were the the, the most significant changes you had to, to to make to your business to get there? So I feel like James might have been holding up our process because ours was two years as well, and similar timing. We uh, got certified in October, and yet COVID wave of lots of businesses applying. So the certification, I don't think now takes as long, um, but also similar to James, the process itself was so eye opening and such an awesome thing that I think going into it, we didn't realize the process of putting all the documentation together would be as powerful as it was. So we had a working group of uh, four people, Alchemy One, working on it and would catch up every two weeks and go through um, kind of the the documentation. I'm not going to lie, it it was daunting. Like it was a really big body of work. Um, So first couple of weeks, we're answering all the easy questions and leaving the last and hardest ones to the end until you had time to stew over it and work out what that meant. Um, But I think some of the biggest things that we had to change, I think, you know, being an indie agency and growing over the last seven years, we were making lots of decisions based off, you know, morals and values that were quite right and B Corp aligned, but it was putting those policies in place as well. So one of them is our governance policy Um, You know, so precluding us from working with the fossil fuel, alcohol, gambling and tobacco industry, but like formalizing that as an agency. Um, Our diversity, equity and inclusion strategy was a really important part of that as well. So 
for B Corp, we rated quite high within that section, just naturally based off the way we've built our um, agency. But the questions that probes you on is like, wow, that's really interesting. Like even thinking about, you know, um, obviously gender and age diversity through to like training and development and uh, wage gaps and just all the questions around what that looks like and quite probing questions to really make you think um, as a whole agency about how you can adopt something or, you know, continue to evolve uh, what that looks like for you. Um, other things, I think one of the most enlightening things, especially being a media agency, is the supply chain piece. So what it does look like, not only is the service industry for our client partners, but our supply chain, which is huge when we think about it with our client partners. So um, obviously from all the digital vendors through to you know, some of the smallest radio stations or um, press titles in Australia as well for regional campaigns that we buy. So trying to you know, we definitely haven't solved that, but like trying to make lots of headwind on that and incorporate that into like our planning and strategy process. I think some of the biggest wins has been what it's meant for the agency and especially from a recruitment perspective. I'd say the majority of um, you know people that we interview, half of them have heard of B Corp, the other half haven't heard of B Corp, um, but the half that have heard of B Corp have specifically like chosen out to speak to us because of that. And it's a really compelling thing to be able to speak to them about what it means in practice at Alchemy One and as a result of our client partners, but not only the work that we've done that we're super proud of with the likes of Bank Australia, who's a B Corp as well, but we always see B Corp. It's like it's a stamp of approval for the stuff that we've done, but also like, you know, awesome validation for everything we want to do moving forward because it really is B Corp's just a a point in time of this score that you get. And it's not like, cool, you got your B Corp certification, that's it. You're always trying to improve on your score. So we've got so many initiatives um, for B Corp for 2022 and even into 2023, we've started mapping out. So when we do get recertified in a couple of years, we're trying to improve our score again. Um, I think that's what's so special about it. It's not just a stamp of approval. Great, you're B Corp certified. You're constantly trying to like improve your score um, and build on that. Phil, I guess the same for you. You were you were probably uh, just culturally uh, there, aligned with B Corp certification or some of it before you even did it. But what were and you've you've done it for a while. You as 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 we know, what eight years ago I think. But so what what was the process then for you? How hard was it, and and where did, where is it at now in terms of um you you know your certification? Yeah, six years, just as a point of uh, six. Let's go for twenty. It sounds good for ages. <laughs> yes, I, I think actually the James and Joel have touched on a lot of the uh, of the points. It, it, as you say, we were we were pretty aligned. We already had a client base that were, you know, mostly purpose driven or doing something good. You know, you, you know, like Guzman and Gomez, great example. It's fast food, but it's real fast food. There's no dye or additives or. Uh, nothing's frozen nothing's microwaved it's like real food so it's trying to trying to change the values of a of an area as joel was saying i think what's so valuable is you know you can have all of these these ideals and going through the b corp process makes you actually document them and put them into policies that turn into you know pillars of your business that you can keep improving on it sort of takes it out of the this would be nice into the this is how i'm going to do it um Right. Um, and I mean, for me, actually, it, it made me just look at the business as a business, you know, the most um, 
uh, holistic way I ever have. Like it made me take a proper look, step back, and like areas that I'd never, I'd never thought of. Like what, Phil? Uh, there were all sorts of things. It was just. But it's down in the micro. The point is, it's all it's all those micro movements. Yeah, that's right. It? I mean, because you know, part of this is is measure what you're doing, measure how you can make it better. You know. So well, you're six years in. Joel talks about you know not just uh, needing to renew it in two years' time. It's ongoing for you. So what? I guess it's the same for you. you there's constant improvement, or do you feel like you're there now? You have to constantly improve. That's that's that is that's kind of a part of the purpose of B Corp is you're not allowed to sit still. You can always do better. Right. Measured growth. Like it's I mean it's almost like what media agencies do for their clients is look at your media. This is the this is what's working, this is what's not working, this is what you could do better. You know, it's 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 turning the microscope on yourself. And I, I think it's just so relevant at the moment. You like you are beginning I think along with that renewed interest in B Corps and social enterprise, we are seeing genuine results for some of our clients where where if you look at the scores people give those clients for ESG for doing the right thing and in areas you might not expect like Guzman and Gomez have a lot of new customers who stick because they like the fact that this is a healthier fast food and they're communicating that uh. they are absolutely you know their brand statement is about about clean fast food mm. it's fascinating so um uh, there's two more questions and we'll wrap this up for this for this part anyway which is um and to all of you if you've got a view on this some of the compliance requirements that you talk about in a B, in, in, in getting B Corp certification, can any business do this? Like you know, I think about when we were just talking then about the television networks or about a um, you know a publisher that still might be doing print or radio again and audio where again there's still lots of power usage going on and 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 beyond that just beyond the sort of the um, energy use. But it, it must be harder for some than others though. Even in even in the sector we're playing with, whether it be client side in any sector or the media supply chain, can anyone really? Like, is it really doable? James said earlier, the idea of B Corps is that they want to be a, a broad church that anyone can join and make themselves better. And there are some massive companies that are B Corps, people like your Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, massive global companies. Yeah, Danone too, I think. Danone's just done it. Parts of Danone have done it. Body Shop have done it. There are some really big global brands that, that are B Corps. Truth is, it would be much harder for an arms manufacturer to become a B Corp than it would a medical supplier. And I would say it might be impossible. Right. <laughs> the idea is, as I say, that it's basically a broad church. Unilever have, have looked very hard at, at becoming a B Corp. They, they own Ben & Jerry's and obviously have got a big mm. thing on corporate uh, ESG that we've all heard a lot about over the last few years. If you think that there are, for instance, there are B Corp beers, which might seem like a contradiction in terms, especially given people like Joel and me are, are going, hmm, not sure if we should be marketing beer. But, you know, Stone and Wood is a B Corp beer, um, Four Pines. Right. And, and they've been absorbed by bigger companies but been able to retain their B Corp status. And it, and it goes further in certain territories of the world. Having a B Corp status, one of the things that the, the B Labs is doing is working with um, governments in territories to make B Corp certification mean that even if your business were to be bought by a larger business, purpose instilled in that business would have to remain a part of the business. There are certain right. states in America where that's the state, that's already the case. I think it's true in Italy. I'm going to get in trouble with the people from B Corps because I'll forget the, the right com countries. But it is, it is actually happening. There is this idea that you should be able to start a, a, a purpose-driven business and have that uh, distilled in its constitution such that that purpose never goes away. 
Joel James, your thoughts on that before we get the final wrap on what your advice would be to your peers in the industry about about B Corp and what they should be doing. But first up, you know, in terms of can anyone do it? Any thoughts, you know, beyond what Phil said? I would say like the, the whole process is kind of set up to like evaluate whether whether it's going to be suitable for you first. So it's like kind of a staged approach. So it's not like you don't, you don't jump into the full breadth of the questionnaire from day one. Um, they sort of go through an initial briefing process where you answer some questions and then B Corp will kind of get back to you and say, yeah, cool, we think that you'll be able to progress to this next stage and it's kind of staged that way. So I guess like if there's a business that's kind of thinking, I'm not sure, it might be too hard for us. We're not sure whether we're the right, like we're in arms dealer we're not sure that this is going to work like phil used the example um you can always start the process see how it goes discuss that with b like b corp themselves and then you get a better indication i think like um one of the business that i that i was talking to recently um that was sort of considering it is one that you wouldn't really think about but he's a um they do like large scale they, they do crane hire large scale like construction pro, uh, projects um, he's thinking about it so obviously that's going to be a very in a very different position there's there's a lot of different issues that he'll have to think about um, but he's keen on like initializing them like the, the process um, and just seeing where he gets to in that you know at a minimum he'll make his business better um, even just by starting the process so you know that's I guess that's the first step just starting to think about it yeah good call Joel thoughts Totally agree with James and Phil. I think, it, you know, the bigger the business, yes, it could be seen that it would be more complex, but even B Corps globally, I think there's now 4,500 or just over B Corps globally and so many different businesses and so diverse. Like even, I mean, so many people could think, why the hell is a media agency B Corp? It's just the desire or the appetite for that specific business, if that's high enough. And I think you know, as Phil mentioned as well, like the B Labs team are amazing and to speak to, um, and so great to help navigate in those early stages. And they have so many resources at their disposal as well um, to help even validate any initial concerns of, you know, would this feel right for my business or would it not? We were really close. Um, we've worked with Bank Australia now for four years, so we were really close with Bank Australia across their um, certification process, which took them a number of years to put together before they submitted it as well. And huge for the likes of Bank Australia with all their branches nationally, you know, their footprint as a bank. It's just like, wow, I think our journey, and it still took us so many people and so many years to put together, um, but they had a whole team internally working on it. So I think if the desire is there, it definitely can be done for any industry, maybe apart from the arms deal, I think, but like, yeah. It depends. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Great one. Hey, so listen, I'm going to ask you for a sort of a one, two-minute piece of um, you know advice that you'd give to industry, your peers, uh, brands that are, have not thought about it or are thinking about it now. Um, so you, we were with you uh, last, Joel. So just your final thoughts on uh, a bit of a you know a heads up, a bit of advice on 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 uh, what you'd tell your your peers in the in the industry. Yeah, I do feel like it's an area where there is a growing need. I really do believe, though, it's not something to take lighthearted in terms of B Corp certification. It needs to come with authenticity. Otherwise, you will be, you know, potentially one of the businesses that fail the certification process. I think it's 94% of businesses that apply don't get certified, Wow, right. which sounds brutal, but it, it needs to be brutal to validate what B Corp is all about as well. You know, we've always said, like, I'm ha absolutely happy to speak to anyone. And I've spoken to so many people over the last six months who are thinking about it. And, you know, often businesses are like, oh, I want to do it, but maybe not quite now. But just informing yourself of what that is. And, you know, for some businesses, it might not be B Corp. But I think there's so much power looking into 
ESG strategies and thinking about, you know, the macro world and your impact as a business. So yeah, I'm a true believer that business is a force for good, which is the whole premise of B Corp. And I'm super proud to kind of be part of that movement. But as I've said, I don't want to keep it as a closed book or a competitive advantage to any degree. Like it really is something that the more people that can come on board, that's the whole goal of B Corp, um, which I think is just super excited because there's just so much momentum at the moment. Great. James, some final thoughts and and, a bit of advice? Yeah, similar vein to what Joel said. I think like going into it for the right reasons is really important. Like don't just go into it because it would be nice to have a B Corp badge on our website. Like go into it because you want to be a B Corp, that you want to do better and that you want to change your business. I think that's really important. And know that like if you do, if you start going through that process, then you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to do things um, to sort of get to a point where you're going to be the type of business that reflects the B-Core values. Good one. Um, and Phil, final thought. Final thoughts from the king. Well, apart from agreeing furiously with what James and Joel have just said, I, I think there was a really good point James made a little bit earlier. Even if you don't become a B-Core, but you want to explore it, just doing the process of starting doing the B-Core process, even if you just spend a month and it helps you work out your, where your values lie, where you could improve things, where you couldn't improve things, and that might give you a platform to move over. It, like it's it's massively valuable. I, ju- I just think it's something that that it's really worthwhile having a look at. Get get your toes a bit wet. May not be entirely for you, but you'll get something out of it. Good conversation and the start of uh, a long one, uh, gents. Thanks, uh, Phil Benedictus, uh, Joel Trithow and James Richardson. Thanks for joining. Uh, really good convo and uh, we will most certainly uh, be continuing this and, and have you back. So stay safe. Thanks for joining. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.